everyone. I'm Catherine Rudder, and you're listening to Life in the Fast Chain. On this episode, we have Joel Dudley, product manager from R3 Online, to chat a little bit about the new features of Corda Enterprise 4.3, which we just recently announced. Um, I make him feel very weird by making him talk about Cockroach DB because I like the way he says it in his accent. Um, then we have the Ivno co-founders on the podcast, Daniel Halstead and Chris Rayner Cook, to talk about what they're doing in the blockchain space and how they work with banks, exchanges, clearinghouses, asset managers, brokers, and corporates to revolutionize settlement, payment, and collateral mobility. Hope you enjoy it. On the line with Joel Dudley, product manager at R3. Thank you for joining me, Joel. Yep. Hi, everyone. <laughs> I wish we could do this in person. Like, Lord knows I've been in London for far too long. We should have recorded this then. But I'm happy that I was able to get a hold of you. Yeah, yes. Yeah, awesome. I know you're very busy. We just announced Corda Enterprise 4.3. But before we get into that, um, you've been at R3 for quite some time. Can you talk a little bit about how long you've been here, your roles and all that jazz? Yeah, so I joined over three years ago now. So uh, I think it was maybe 60 people at the time, 40 of us in London. That was in the old office. So, and back yeah. then. You joined around the same time, actually. When, yes. What month did you join? Um, September. Oh my gosh, we, we started at the same time. Yeah. So I remember because it was the start of the month where they were releasing Corda open source. Well, they were open sourcing Corda for the very first time. So okay. I kind of turned up and there was like a doomsday clock for 10 days and I was just sitting underneath it and I had, I don't know, I was just trying to contribute but having kind of 10 days to get up to speed with what an open source platform was going to be and everyone was just working away like crazy. So <laughs> you're like, why did I join this company? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah yeah and then so I was uh, in developer relations so that was awesome so that was just going around evangelizing the platform um, just kind of telling people what it was and it's interesting so that was two years and you really saw kind of the market mature and people change their mind about what you know blockchain was for what it was about um, and around that time actually I don't know if you remember this went through that whole kind of original cryptocurrency boom and things were going crazy and it was kind of hurtling up to 10,000 so that was that and I did that for about two years kind of went all over the place and then this year I've moved into a product management role so just um kind of stepping away from the community um, and just understanding our existing customers our prospective customers and how they need the platform to evolve to meet their needs yeah yeah, that's great. And also must be pretty satisfying for you, especially with like being there before open source was even there yeah. now being on Corda open source 4.3 and enterprise 4.3. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's changed a lot. And I think it's funny because early on it changes really fast. And uh, when I first joined, the API wasn't even stable. So people could kind of throw stuff in and out as they felt fit. Um, <laughs> And then we started productizing it, especially with the release of Enterprise, and just makes everything a lot more serious. So changes are more considered, and everything kind of slows down a bit because every line of code in theory is something someone's going to use in production. Yeah. So it's yeah. a bit of a gear shift. I know that you've kind of gone away from this role, but like, how did you strike the balance between, like, in the community between open source and enterprise? That's interesting. And marketing kind of deal with this all the time, right? Like, how do we market to these um, different 
and similar um, kind of communities? Yeah, it's. I think in developer relations, to be honest, it was always just about getting people acquainted with the open source product. So, you know, the open source product is fully featured and applications can be developed on either. So for people kind of just starting out on Core, it doesn't necessarily make sense to go straight to enterprise. Just find out what open source does, try that out, get comfortable with it. And then down the line, people can make the decision. So it's really something that I almost ignored, to be honest. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about um, let's talk about four point three. So what's what's new? Um, I know, and everyone's talking about accounts and, and open source. We have accounts, but now this is the first time it was um, introduced into enterprise. So uh, if you could talk a little bit about that, that would be great. Yes, so that's something that's been flying around for a while. So it used to have this code name Maximus which is a pretty cool code name and uh, <laughs> went through kind of various iterations of what it would be but the general idea is the same which is just currently to use or before 4.3 to use Corda you had to start your own node um, mm-hmm. and generally that's what you want to do because you control how it's deployed you control where the keys are put how it's configured um, all of that but mm-hmm. what we found as we kind of broadened out the, the, the set of use cases we were seeing and now if we look at where court is used a lot of it's in insurance trade finance where you're not necessarily dealing with the kind of same set of mega players you might do if you were dealing with banking or capital Mm -hmm. markets so you start to see people who want to be part of Corda, want to use Corda, want to kind of make something more efficient or make something um, tamper-proof, whatever it may be, but they don't have the technical expertise to run their own node. Mm -hmm. And the idea with accounts was to say a given node can, you know, still be run by one person, deployed by one person, but different people can have their own identities on that node and transact in the network as fully-fledged individuals, even though they don't have their own node set up. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. So, what other uh, features are there in four point three? I feel like this is a massive release. Like, there are a lot of features in it, and like super important things. Yeah, it, it's a few things. So, we're continuing our theme, which is that quarter enterprise has a focus on resilience security ease mm-hmm. of deployment ease of operations and so all the changes really are in that area um, yeah. so in terms of security we've continued our integration with what are called hsms or hardware security modules mm-hmm. so like every blockchain system transactions on quarter happen because people sign the transactions with their keys to show approval mm-hmm. and you can store those um, those keys in many different ways and you see all kinds of wallets in public blockchain systems. But actually, if you um, look at the industry, there's actually kind of a standard for these, which is called hardware security modules. And these are just very locked down pieces of hardware that you use to store keys. And mm-hmm. crucially, these are things where you can pass stuff in to be signed, but then you can never get the keys out. So you can reason very easily about what the the security risk is to the keys because in effect they never leave this piece of hardware that's protected in all kinds of ways okay so we've had um hsm support for several releases but what we one of the big things we did in um quarter enterprise 4.3 is um integrate them better with our notaries so notaries are how you prevent double spends in quarter Mm -hmm. and 
one of the things about notary is it's right at the center of the network. So often a notary might be called upon to sign 500, 1,000 transactions per second. And but if you think of um, an HSM, that's actually a piece of kit that's outside of the node. So there's often a bit of overhead in sending the signing request to the HSM and then getting it back signed. Yeah. And what so what we had to do but for notaries who are trying to do let's say a thousand transactions a second they don't have time to wait for one request to go be signed come back then the next one then the next one the it's just the overhead of sending a message to the HTM back is too large so yeah. a lot of the work in enterprise 4.3 was allowing notaries to batch up um, the incoming requests and then check there was no double spends and then just send them all to the HSM at once. So instead of doing a thousand HSM round trips for a thousand transactions, you just did one. Yeah, and that increases efficiency, I'm sure, massively. Yeah, and um, and so, yeah, so now, for example, you can put um, notary keys in uh, uh, in Securosis HSMs. If you're in the cloud, you can put them in Azure Key Vault HSMs. And all the work is there to um, allow the support for more HSMs in the future as well. Very cool. Yeah, and also, <laughs> I'm almost just asking you about cockroach because I like the way you say it. <laughs> can we talk a little bit about cockroach? Cockroach. So... Uh, <laughs> When we were recording videos, oh, this is the shout out to the video of you and Mike Ward that we edited that we put on r3.com. Everyone watch that. But the way you say cockroaches, is, is, I love it. Okay. okay. First time hearing this. Um. <laughs> on recorded on the podcast, the first time I tell you that I like the way you say a word. So um, yeah, so... Um, well, so yeah, stepping back a bit, so um, there's different types of notaries in Corda, and one of the types of notaries is what's called a crash fault tolerant notary. So, mm-hmm. crash fault tolerant means that um, the notary has several different um, kind of participants, nodes, and if one or two or three of them go down, then the other ones can pick up the slack. Okay. And this is important for production settings because you don't want to be in a situation where if the notary goes down, the whole network grinds to a halt and nothing can be spent. So mm-hmm. instead, you have these highly available CFT notaries where there might be three or five or seven nodes in a cluster. And so you can tolerate one or two or three failures and continue to um, process transactions. Mm-hmm. And the way this is done um, in Corda is you can just plug the notary into a standard database. So um, let's say you're already using Oracle Database, which is one of the databases we support. Then Oracle Database already have this Oracle Rack um, you know, database set up, which is optimized for zero data loss so it's, and for replication across multiple um, nodes. So that's kind of a perfect backend for um, a notary of Oracle is something you already have expertise with. Um, okay. But we also, but we, what we've done is we've made the um, the backend, the database, and notary can use pluggable. So Oracle database is one option. We might mm-hmm. add more supported configurations in the future, but also we've added support for CockroachDB. Um, cool. CockroachDB. What is that for people who don't know what it is? So it's a it's a relatively new database technology, but it's 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 based on RocksDB, which is a very fast database, and. Um, the kind of Cockroach Labs is the company that maintains it and provides support for it. Um, what we found is that it just does very well for um, notary workloads. So if you think of a notary trying to do a thousand transactions per second plus, 
you need the database to be optimized for how the notary wants to do things. And what the notary really wants to do is a thousand times a second, 10,000 times a second, it wants to check whether a certain entry is in the database. And if it's not there, add it. And if it is there, um, not add it and flag a double spend. So it's a very simple workload, but different databases are optimized in different ways. And Cockroach in particular is very optimized for this kind of operation. So we see speeds on um, Cockroach that are much kind of, it's much easier to attain very good speeds um, in terms of notarization on Cockroach than it might be for um, other databases. So what we've done is um, for the notary now, you can, we, we, um, it's got this pluggable um, database and the two configurations that we support currently are CockroachDB and Oracle Database. Very cool. Okay, I want to be conscious of time because I know you have a meeting. Um, but thank you for coming on to explain all of this stuff. I mean, everyone's freaking out about 4.3, so. <laughs> no, thank you, Catherine. You're like, okay, now on to the next thing. Yeah, yeah, put everyone at ease. Um, but yeah, so yeah. break for Christmas and then, uh, yeah, pick up in the new year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love how we always get messages like, okay, take some time, not too much time. <laughs> take some time and then get ready to kick ass and the new year yeah 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 <laughs> okay great well thank you for coming on um i'm sure we'll talk soon yeah thanks Catherine. it's awesome in the london studio with co-founders of ivno dan and chris thanks for coming in today well thank you for having us thank you very much yeah, of course. Um, how are you guys doing? Are you both exhausted from the weekend? Cordicon was last week. It was crazy. Yeah, so um, Cordicon was fantastic. Met so many great people. The presentations were epic. But we did end up going to bed quite late, getting up quite early, busy <laughs> yeah. during the day. So, yeah, it was good to get some rest over the weekend. Yeah, yeah. We definitely got a lot of good uh, good feedback, which was amazing, obviously. Um, okay, so we're not drinking in the studio today, which I'm so grateful for because <laughs> Cordicon is a marathon and then you always end up um, going out with people to make connections and I've, I mean I met hundreds and hundreds of people um, and then the weekend came and all, all I did yesterday was lay on my back in my bed like I could not move it was awful <laughs> but I'm happy I'm happy that we decided not to not to drink I have to stop saying that in the studio because people are going to be like what <laughs> Does she Definitely go out all the time? Detox Monday. Detox Monday. Yes. We should get some tea in here or something. Um, anyways, okay, let's just jump right in because you guys are probably very busy. We just recorded a testimonial video, um, so I appreciate you guys taking the time to come in. Um, tell me a little bit about Ivno. So Ivno was formed a couple of years ago, really mm -hmm. focused around solving several big problems within finance. <laughs> and those problems are ones that members of uh, the team specifically me have had to endure during our careers it's been around settlement it's been around payments mm -hmm. um, it's also been around collateral mobility mm -hmm. I felt found that through my career working at a US bank working at several large US hedge funds mm -hmm. and most recently working at a large treasury operation mm -hmm. so we saw the problem we were aware of the problem and identified it and then we really looked at potential solutions for this. And there are really three aspects of the solution that we've identified. The first thing was around clearly the technology. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the most exciting part, really. Mm -hmm. Second point was around the legal structure of the solution. And the third was around the regulation. Because we knew that any solution had to be client-focused mm -hmm. and address clients' concerns. And we saw the opportunities being 
global across some of the largest financial institutions uh, in the world. And therefore, their concerns became our concerns. And their concerns quite simply are regulation, mm-hmm. legal structure, and technology and, around the, and the governance around the technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's, it's safe to say that... Um, all of our feedback from participants, from large organisations all around the world, is that people can kind of see that change is coming. And yeah. this technology is going to move industries uh, and helping guide our customers through some of the problems that we've uh, worked through and some of the solutions we've created. You know, we've really started to build quite um, a big community to be testing these ideas, which is wonderful. Yeah, so how can uh, IVNO change settlement slash shorten the payment window? Great question. So at the moment, probably if I take a little step back and maybe discuss how settlement works at the moment. So mm-hmm. uh, certainly security settlement, there's typically a mechanism called delivery versus payment. Mm-hmm. Um, and this means that both legs of the trade will settle. But one of the key aspects around this is actually how long it takes to settle. Mm-hmm. Why does, I guess, things, why does it really matter? Well, if you, typical settlement can be anything between two days after the trade date to three days, sometimes five, and some markets actually even two weeks. Yeah. What this means actually is that there's counterparty exposure and something called a DVP limit or DVP line that's used. And this has big impacts within the financial institutions and the um, financial markets. And therefore, if you could shorten the window to T0 or even have a flexibility around settlement, you would improve improve the um, economic settlement, mm-hmm. you'd improve the time, you reduce risks, you reduce operational risks as well, and actually I think you could increase volumes as well. And so yeah. that's one of the other kind of key aspects around how can you improve settlement. Improving settlement is definitely a big goal, mm-hmm. and, and I guess to your point, how is Ivno going to do that? Ivno's developed really groundbreaking next generation technology using R3's quarter, an app that is uh, delivery versus delivery. And I guess that is, I think, a term that we're going to see used in the next few days, in the next few weeks, and so in the next few years. The DVP is going to be replaced with delivery versus delivery. Mm-hmm. And delivery versus delivery can occur instantaneously at the time of trade if required. Yeah. And it's going to reduce risks, increase new opportunities. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what you're doing can save like billions and billions of dollars, right? Yeah. So that's. So you're absolutely right. In terms of um, the kind of cost benefits, there's some big numbers out there, but I think you can take these big numbers. So studies have looked at 20 to 22 billion dollars worth of savings by you know 2022, for example. Wow. And you look at these big numbers, but then actually you look at okay, what does this? How does this saving actually work? Mm-hmm. And how can it really change businesses? Mm-hmm. And I think there's kind of the several things that all financial institutions are facing at the moment. They're facing Increased regulation, mm-hmm. uh, which is making business safer, but mm-hmm. also reducing some of the return on equity for their shareholders and the owners of those businesses. They're also probably looking at afford and actually saying, well, interest rates are very low. Mm-hmm. We've had a great run in equity markets. Credit's very tight. What are the forward returns going to be like? And therefore, cost savings post-trade, I think, is where the biggest innovation is going to occur in the next five years versus the last five years. It's been a huge amount of capital, a huge amount of investment mm-hmm. uh, and progress in pre-trade and trade. So that's where you look at systems, exchange times to executing trades. But where I think you're going to see the big, big benefit mm-hmm. 
to pension funds, insurance industries, um, private retail investors is actually reducing the cost of settlement and reducing the cost, therefore, of custody as well. Totally. So how did you guys first get um, involved in the R3 ecosystem? Well, we actually came to R3 uh, looking for a technology solution. So we were looking at Corda as a technology platform. And we kind of identified that, uh, and we'll, we'll go on to it, I'm, I'm sure, during the course of this conversation, but um, a, a digital cash asset that can be used for settlement plus an atomic transfer can equal our, uh, instant and final settlement of a transaction. Mm-hmm. So we were looking at a technology platform that could provide the sort of uh, flexibility in its mm-hmm. design so that uh, it can be used for our specific application. The high transaction uh, throughput per second. So uh, for any of the readers or listeners, should I say, um, mm-hmm. they've probably seen that there's, uh, there was a study where there was sort of 6,300, uh, 6, I think, transactions a second through quarter, which meant that that, that sort of uh, volume was good for a financial application. Like mm-hmm. So we came here looking for uh, various technology components, but the number one uh, sort of key factor for us was this uh, finality of transaction. Mm-hmm. So R3 allows that uh, when a transaction is complete, it can be final, and there's no probabilistic element to that. Yep. So um, having evaluated the technology and came to R3, we not just uh, we didn't just get a technology provider; we got a, a partner. Yeah. And actually, uh, over the last year, so we signed our partnership agreement a year ago, mm-hmm. and in the last year, we've developed a partnership. Uh, we've been supported um, through lots of resource and access to our three community, but also uh, we've recently completed a big trial and put out a press release for that. Uh, again, supported by our three. Yeah, I was going to ask how how that trial go. The trial was fantastic. Uh, so we had 28 organizations, mm-hmm. 18 countries, uh, there was uh, over 30 nodes in a live UAT environment, and our, our um, participants actually, actually created over a thousand manual transactions using our front-end system. Oh. So uh, there's quite a high involvement there. Uh, the average transaction time through the entire trial was under a second. So oh. we were transferring, um, it was $18 billion worth of uh, trial tokens created, and they were transferred in under a second across 18 countries. So what? Just, That's crazy. Yeah. It's just really cool. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, it's, it's really a, cool. Yeah, it's a good example of what can be done with quarter and uh, shows the interest and enthusiasm from our, our use case. Yeah. I think another aspect of the trial as well was to engage on with businesses. Yeah. And so I think you know, a lot of the organisations we've engaged with um, will have different parts of the organisation interested and wanting to learn more about this technology. Uh, certainly you've got the innovation departments, but also you've got business heads. One mm-hmm. of the kind of key aspects of the trial that we focused on was around the business content and also the user interface. And so we got some very positive feedback actually on how easy it was to move tokens. Mm-hmm. And actually moving tokens looked more and more like um, a transaction that you could see on both sides, yeah. which is kind of revolutionary mm-hmm. uh, when you think about payments. And so I think that um, having great technology, uh, building on quarter it was very very important for this trial but I think also making sure that end users can use it effectively and want to use it is kind of one of the key requirements obviously about technology yeah yeah and Chris you kind of touched on this but what uh, what kind of companies are you guys actually engaging with so we've um, we've engaged our current engagement is everything from a central bank 
mm-hmm. to large global banks, uh, buy side, and certainly some of the largest buy side asset managers on, uh, globally uh, we're engaged with. We're engaged with large megatechs mm-hmm. in the US. Um, we're also engaged with exchanges and CCPs. Yeah. And I think really kind of one of the key aspects and thought processes behind Ivno was this idea about universal approach. Mm-hmm. And that's really been all the way through from our product innovation forum that mm-hmm. we had at the beginning of this year where we had six global entities, all from different types of um different types of uh, participants within capital markets. So we had um, an exchange and CCP. Mm-hmm. We had a US asset manager. We had a US bank. We had a European bank. And we had a UK bank. And I think that's one of the kind of key aspects that we focused on. How can we create a solution that is universal? And I think both who we're currently engaged with, but also that product innovation forum, gives a good insight into the thought and uh, drive behind Ivno and his, uh, his approach to engagement with clients. And another really exciting thing on top of that is it's not just the traditional finance organisations that are looking to use this technology. Mm-hmm. So we're also working with a number of Corda partners, um, or sorry, our three partners around Corda integrations because mm-hmm. what, what we've designed is universal and scalable and designed to be used cross-industry, mm-hmm. but it, it also works very well with any existing Corda application. So we're talking to a good number of providers of Corda applications about instant settlement for their members. Mm-hmm. Some of these uh, Corda network groups have got a large number of members already. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're looking at how they can literally get the benefit of Ivno's application in their environment. Now, that's mm-hmm. exciting for us, clearly, but think think about the distribution network there. Think about all the organisations that can suddenly get benefit. So they're in one quarter network, and because of the interoperability of um, quarter applications, they can actually get multiple benefits from being in that one one network, which I think is amazing. Yeah, interoperability is obviously huge here. Um, so can you talk a little bit about the IVNO token and the benefits to it? So I guess we start really start from the start from the beginning. So the, the token was designed for use by large global financial institutions and therefore it needed to be legally enforceable upon the underlying mm-hmm. and it needed to fit within a regulatory framework. Um, so the, the token is a cash and collateral token that has uh, no counterparty exposure and that's another key design feature of it yeah. because counterparty exposure um, effectively absorbs capital within the financial system mm-hmm. and therefore a leap forward is not only just the technology but also making sure there's no counterparty exposure. Yeah. So the token provides uh, legal enforceability upon a cash and cash cash and cash equivalent collateral mm-hmm. that means that it can then move between different nodes either within an organisation mm-hmm. or between um, the same organisation it also, and this is one of the kind of key aspects around this delivery versus delivery, and this is where a IVNO token can settle instantaneously with a, another digital asset. There's kind of two key aspects really around that settlement. The first thing is it's instant, so mm-hmm. there's, no le- uh, there's no time delay. And the second key point around this is that either it settles or it doesn't. Yeah. There's no, there's no potential for one leg to settle on the other not to settle, mm-hmm. and therefore it's it, it's instant and final. Is either it's digital as you would expect. Yeah. 
definitely. So um, I have all these questions. Can you talk a little bit about um, what's going on with the Pentagon and Amazon? It's a great question, actually. Um, <laughs> because I think one, one of the, um, I guess the key focus around Ivno's have been yeah, client-centric, and therefore mm-hmm. Ivno has to reflect the concerns of our clients. And I think if you go back, even just two years ago, mm-hmm. and you talk, talked about a digital technology that relied and needed cloud, for nodes, I think that would kind of be a conversation stopper quite early on. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I think as you fast forward uh, two years, you've got adoption across, I'd say, most financial institutions, certainly the ones we're engaged with, of use of cloud. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously, we've got within the UK, the PRA have actually been positive on use of cloud. And we're certainly aware of our clients of using the three main cloud providers, as you probably would expect. Mm-hmm. Great question, actually, very topical around the Pentagon's use of cloud because obviously there was a competition between two entities and they've gone with Microsoft Azure. Mm-hmm. And I think that what's interesting around that is I'm sure that will bring lots of benefits to Microsoft because mm-hmm. obviously the InfoSec requirements for uh, a military grade are obviously very high mm-hmm. and therefore Microsoft have, uh, have overcome those. But I think also it's a big kind of move and uh, kind of flag in the ground, so to speak, of the use of cloud. Yeah. And I think that you know, the Pentagon's moved and said, we're comfortable using cloud, mm-hmm. and we picked a certain provider. Mm-hmm. I think therefore you're going to you're going to see many more entities across uh, across the US and globally uh, using cloud. And so, I think as we move forward as a as a, as a business, and that really applies to R three, uh, no but also all the other enterprises within uh, the R three network, uh, this infosec. And use of cloud is now a big tick. So, do you guys get any pushback from like potential clients when you're like, oh, we, we built this on blockchain? Because I feel like you, it, it could go either way, right? Like, people could be like, oh my gosh, it's on blockchain, this is amazing. But there are still some non believers out there. Uh, really interesting question again. And actually, I, I would say um, it's kind of the other way. So, nice. um, as part of our trial, we, we took feedback from participants and um, uh, there was a hundred percent consensus from the participants that the exchanging and CCP model would change due to tokenization, which is remarkable. Mm-hmm. Just you know that level of consensus, uh, but there was ninety percent consensus that that would happen inside five years. So uh, exchanges and C- CCPs just don't move quickly. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Inside five years is really not a normal sort of time zone to to change their technology. Um, but what that means is that actually. There's a sentiment in the industry right now that change is coming, and you know these organisations. Whereas before this was a technology decision, yeah, I think now it's a commercial model decision. It's a, it's at the highest level in organisations, and they recognise that uh, you know this technology could change the business model, and therefore they really need to be engaged. So to answer your question, I, th- I think it's the other way around. I think that because businesses are looking to move. Uh, and, and benefit from the new technology, they're actually engaging with us because of it rather than in spite of. And yeah. before we add to that as well, I think sort of two, often two key questions that uh, that we get asked. The first thing is around the network and governance. Yeah. And the second thing is around interoperability. Mm-hmm. I think most global financial institutions would probably be uh, be quite happily admit they've got more systems than they'd like. Mm-hmm. And therefore, when you when you approach these large institutions and you s- suggest adopting a new technology. Um, one of the questions you're going to be asked immediately is, well, how do I know which blockchain to, to invest in or back? 
yeah. DLT system. Now, lots of reasons we could go into why we, as a business, decided and wanted to partner with R3. But the great thing about the quarter is that you can answer that question very simply. And I think that's really, really important when you engage with these large institutions that you can say, well, it's interoperable. Yeah. And actually, at Ivno, we took it one step further. We actually proved interoperability with an Ethereum based uh, DLT blockchain system mm-hmm. used by a very large US institution just to prove that it worked. And I think that was a kind of key aspect. The second thing is around governance. And I think that R3 has spent a lot of time and energy and resource on governance of the network. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you approach large institutions and you talk to them about adopting the technology and obviously even though it's built on Corda, relying on some of that governance, that's another kind of key aspect. And so I think that's, as we think, as uh, as Dan and I have kind of engaged in these conversations, depending on the, the type of person and the role the person has at those entities has, has driven the particular questions. Uh, but certainly on the business side, is often, is it interoperable? I'm just backing a new technology that then I've got another system. Mm-hmm. We're clearly very comfortable with that, and that's been a big, big positive for us for engagement. And the second thing is around governance. Yeah, definitely. So I just want to point out, I have no background in finance. Like, I have literally, I avoided econ classes, like the plague. I (laughs) used to get involved in this, but (laughs) that said, from you guys, I've actually learned so much from this conversation, from conversations we've had in the past. So I appreciate it. So since since my background has nothing to do with this, um, can you tell me a little bit about each of your backgrounds and what brought you here? Yeah, so um, I've actually been very lucky in my career. I've managed to do many different things. Mm -hmm. Um, I've spent time in the army. Um, I oh, wow. studied Thank medicine you. at university, um, and I've also, through my adult life, been uh, worked in finance. I started my career trading commercial bonds at Merrill Lynch. Mm-hmm. I then went to set up a new business within a, uh, a nascent hedge fund uh, that then got uh, grew and got sold. I worked for Citadel. I worked for Millennium. Uh, most recently, I've been a senior executive within a treasury organisation. I think for me, in terms of approaching Ivno, mm-hmm. having worked in different financial institutions, both on the buy side and the sell side, and actually particularly most latterly within the treasury operations, has opened my eyes to the issues um, and opportunity in providing a solution that is universal and scalable for settlement, collateral mobility, and wholesale payment. So uh, my um, my background is different to Chris. I, I haven't worked in a bank. I've actually um, I started my first business at 24, and yeah. I've been running my own things ever since. So um, uh, I started a business called Kite Consulting Group in 2004, and kind of drove that and led it and passed it off to a, uh, to a management team. We were doing fantastically with it, mm-hmm. but it was maybe four years ago, five years ago, a good friend of mine introduced me to DLT. And I, I remember I was sat in this room and I, he was sort of explaining to me how there's a, a universal shared layer of data. Mm-hmm. And you know anyone can plug into it and it's immutable and we can all believe it's true. And he told me how it worked. And I was like, wow, this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I started thinking about capital markets and I had a good knowledge of how CCPs and exchanges were, were put together and how the data structures work. It's like, these guys are all using the same data. There's a mm-hmm. whole ton of reconciliation that's happening all across the city. And... 
Um, if they can use one immutable layer of data, then wow, that's that's really exciting. Fast forward another couple of years, and it was the whole digital assets boom. It's like, well, if, if existing assets are tokenized, how how are all these assets going to fit into the existing model? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was very lucky to have a, a number of experts uh, in my network, including Chris and, and a few other guys formative in the business. And, and it was there that I really started digging into the mechanics of DLT and finance. So, um, yeah. And the rest is history. Hopefully, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will be conscious of the fact that uh, we are way over time um, today. So thank you for coming in the studio. Um, Where can people learn more about IVNO and you guys? Yeah, so on all the uh, normal social channels, but um, our website is uh, Mm -hmm. IVNO.io. And hook us up on, on Twitter. You know, we'd love to hear from you. Cool. Thank you very much. As always, thank you for listening to this episode of Life in the Fast Chain. Be sure to share with your friends and your family and grandparents the whole thing that I say literally every time. Um, I hope everyone has, the holiday season is upon us. So I hope everyone is having so much fun um, getting their work done before the new year. Uh, We have, like I said when I was talking to Joel, there's going to be a few days of downtime here and then we are going to ramp it back up uh, for January. So excited for the new year. Great things to come. Happy holidays, everyone. Woo!